going to tell you right from the start what I'm going to do. At the end of today's message, we're going to have a prayer time, and uh, it's going to be commitment time. And you know what I've learned? Here's what I've learned. I learned it from myself when I look in the mirror. I've learned it because I've talked with hundreds and thousands of people over the last 20 years. And here's what I know. We become good at talking. We're professional talkers. We want to get with someone and just share our feelings and talk about how much we want to change, want to do this. But let me, I'm going to, listen, I'm really a nice guy. I'm not meaning to sound harsh, but I really feel like I need to say this. You will never change until you do something different. <clears throat> Talking will not help you change. Having somebody pacify you will not help you change. And you know, let me tell you another thing. You will never change unless if you really want to. It's an interesting story. You know, Jesus is walking through Israel, and, and blind Bartimaeus is calling out to him, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And he's embarrassing people because he's just beside himself. And people are telling him, hey, man, be quiet, be quiet. And Jesus goes over there and says, hey, what do you want? Now, that sounds like a dumb question, doesn't it? He's blind. He's a beggar. And he says, Jesus, I want to see. And here's why Jesus asked him that. If Bartimaeus is no longer blind and he's no longer allowed to beg, that means his whole life has to change. That means he has to start working. He can't just sit there and beg for stuff. He's got to start working. And I think a lot of times... The reason that we don't change, we're talking about habits, changing habits. <clears throat> a lot of times the reason we don't want to change is because we really don't want to. <clears throat> Excuse me. Let me give you an, an illustration. I used to work out <clears throat> just really, really hard and lift weights and everything. And every once in a while I get a thought, I'm going to go back to the glory days. I'm going to go back. <clears throat> I know how to do it. And then, you know, something happens. I'm thinking about that. Yeah, on Monday, I'm going to start doing that. And during the day, I start thinking, you know, I start thinking, man, do you know how much time that costs? Do you know the price, how sore you get? And then I walk by a mirror during the day, and I look, and I'm like, it's not that bad. <laughs> it's not that bad. And then I get a third thought. You know what? We have Bluebell in the freezer. <clears throat> But I, you will not start doing something new unless you really want to. So as we're wrapping up this series today, I have a question for you. Do you really want God to help you change? Do you, are you going to fight for it? Are you going to change some things? Are you willing to do something you haven't done before? Would you go to a small group that would help you no matter uh, how private you feel? I'm just, before we start this final message, this is resolution time, and we're going to have a prayer at the end. And I, I believe this. I believe the Holy Spirit told me that today some transformations are going to take place, but it takes place in your heart first. And we're going to have a commitment, just a prayer time at the end. And I hope, you know, you don't look around, oh, if someone else goes up, I'll go up. Man, if you're hungry, just run up here. You want God to change your life? You want God to help you? Just say, man, that's me. I don't care if anyone else decides to change today. I'm going to be the one. So let's get started. We're talking about uphill habits, and Aristotle said this. We are what we repeatedly do. We, we are the sum total of what we do repeatedly, our practices every day. The next thing is this. We form our habits, and then our habits form us. And so 
We, we are what we do every day, our practices. We, if you form bad habits, then, then um, I, I have some. Thank you there. I just got some allergies. Appreciate that. But we, we, uh, we, we start, if we start doing bad things, then what happens is we end up having bad habits. And if we do good things, we end up having good habits. And the third thing is this, is that most people have uphill hopes, but downhill habits. Uphill hopes, it means like this. I want to be here. I want to be here. I want to do this. I want to accomplish this. But the reason we never get there is because our habits are taking us downhill. And hope is a motivator. Hope will get you started, but hope won't sustain you. Habits, practices, the things we do every day, the routines we put in our life is what helps us to get there. Romans 12, 2, it says this. To Say this with me. Fix your attention on God. And then it says this, after we do that, it, so don't fix your attention on the person next to you. Don't fix your attention on your career. Don't fix your attention, you know, on your kids or even on your spouse, although that needs to be some. But fix your attention first on God. And it says this, you'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you. And quickly respond to it, unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings the best out in you and develops well-formed maturity. So God wants to bring the best out of you. How many of you say the best is yet to come? The best is yet to come, man. God can still doing a work in our, in our lives. And so we're talking about these uphill habits. They're not easy, but they're, it's, it's attainable. And, and so we've talked about three. First of all, is focus on what we do first. And the Bible, there's a whole study on first things, that what you do first has supernatural power in your life, and we're supposed to give God the first of our time, the first of our energy, the first of our resources and finances. And when we do that, he blesses the rest. See, in the natural realm, we say, well, if I give God that first, I won't have enough. But God says, if you give that little bit to me, I don't need it, but give it to me, honor me, and then I'll, I'll bless the rest. And in week two, we talked about getting control of our thoughts, uh, the habit of changing how we think. And here's the truth, and it's, you know, it's for truth for me, it's truth for you. You'll never change a habit till you change your thinking first. So you got to change your thinking. I don't need that anymore. I need God. I don't, I don't need to be dependent upon that. I'm going to be dependent upon God. And then the last week we talked about keeping our life aligned with God's plan and purpose. And that's where the satisfaction in life comes when we, when we keep in line with what God has for us. And, and all of us do it. All of us at some point in our lives, we're in alignment with God, but then we get off course. And we've got to make sure that we stay in line with what God wants us to do. And this week we're closing up with talking about our relationships. So habit number four is choose my relationships carefully. And this is a big task. In fact, um, if you don't implement this properly, you won't be able to do the first three things. Because our relationships, the people that we spend time with, they influence our thinking and, and where we're going in life. Now, some of our relationships we get to choose, and some of them are chosen for us. So all of us in here, we couldn't choose the family we were born into uh, that was inherited, okay? 
Sometimes we can't choose the boss we work for. Sometimes we can't choose the people we work with every day. Sometimes we can. But you know what? We get to choose who we spend all of our available time with outside of that. You know, I, I mean, after you're grown, you, you, you know, you maybe see family a couple times a year, so they're not dominating that. And, but it's so who, who you spend your time with, who you choose to spend your time with, it really has a big impact upon your life. And really, who you spend time with, they're the compass that's driving you to where you're going to be in the future. If I can look at where you are today and know what kind of friends you've been hanging out with, and I can tell where you're going to be in six months, two years, five years by the people that you're hanging around with. And so it's very important that we, we choose our relationships carefully. Proverbs 27, 19, it says this, a mirror reflects a man's face, but what he is really like is shown by the kind of friends he chooses. Notice that chooses. Sometimes that's a choice we get to make. We, each one of us, has the power to determine who we're going to spend time with. We have the power to choose to spend time with people that are going to encourage us, that are going to inspire us, that are going to challenge us, not just choose time to spend with people who tell us what we want. I think that's a shame. Sometimes we hang around with people who tell us only what we want to hear, and that's not what we need to hear. And so we, we get to choose these relationships. I want to talk about four choices that you need to make in relationships because Proverbs 27, 19, it says, again, what a man, what a person is really like is shown by the kind of friends he chooses. So I'm going to talk to you about four choices that we need to make to have healthy relationships. And the first one is this, is that I, all of us, we have to nurture our important relationships. We have to nurture our important relationships. And what we have to understand is some of my relationships are more important than others. My relationship with my wife is more important than my relationship with my kids. We were married first, right? And, and so if mine and Tracy's relationship isn't good, then that's going to negatively, negatively impact my kids. Now, before Tracy, my relationship with God needs to be strong so I can be the kind of husband and father that he wants me to be. So we have important relationships. Our relationship with God, our relationship with our close friends and our close family, husbands, wives, you know, mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters, and then our friends. Those are very, very important. So here's the problem. Uh, our relationships are in the condition they are based on how we've treated them. So, you know, people come up to me. And again, the number one prayer request we get throughout the year, it's not even close, is people wanting us to pray for their close relationships that aren't doing well. Husbands, wives, kids, brothers, sisters, broken relationships. And so, but here's the thing. Like sometimes people... Uh, I've just learned this in counseling. When people come to me, like they come, their marriage is not doing good, but their marriage didn't start doing bad overnight. They have not been treating that relationship. They haven't been nurturing that relationship, so it hasn't, it hasn't, uh, been, it hasn't been growing like, like it needed, like it needs to. Um, so the, a man came to me one time. This is kind of funny. I remember it because he's, he's a big country guy. And he said, Pastor... 
the fire done gone out of my marriage. The fire done gone out. Well, here's the thing. If one of our relationships aren't where they're supposed to be, it's not necessarily that relationship is bad. It's that we haven't been treating it well. And so I, I, I looked at him, the fire done gone out. And I said, well, man, go get some wood. Go get some lumber. Get a match. Get some kindling. Strike that match and start a fire. That's like saying I have a fireplace that doesn't work because there's no fire in it. Get some wood, man. You can even get self-burning logs from Walmart, right? Just put them in there. But here's the key. It is much easier to keep a fire going than it is to start one from scratch. You know, if you have a fireplace and it's cold, you know, the problem is the fire starts to burn down and the wood is outside and it's cold and it's wet. And you look at your wife and she doesn't want to go get wood. Right? <laughs> Fire's going down, honey. No, you got to go. But if you throw a log, even if it's a little damp, on a hot fire, it burns. But try to start that from scratch. So the problem, listen, some of you will say my relationship's not good. It's just a bad relationship. It was, you know, it's a bad thing. But listen, our relationships are as good as we put time into. Now, here's the thing. Y'all know this, if you know me. If you don't, my wife, Tracy, I married an angel. And you think that's easy, but it's not. Sometimes I get hit by her wings, her halo. Her halo blinds me sometimes, right? It's not easy. When you're a sinner and you're married to an angel, right? It's not easy. But hey, here's, here's the thing. I want to tell you this. We, we're fixing to be married for 29 years. And, we, and we, have, we have a good marriage. But let me tell you something. Being married is not easy. And even after 29 years, we may have six months and we don't have any disagreements. But there's always going to be that day when I ask God where my wife went. And she asked God, I don't know what she asked God about me. I don't know. You get the idea, right? You get the idea. So, but again, relationships, they, they, just, they just take work. And see, when, I, we don't, we don't, when we're not nurturing our important relationships, we always look for something else and say it's better. It's greener. Listen, if you look at a yard and it's greener than yours, it's because the water bill's higher. They're putting some fertilizer on that lawn, okay? And, and, and so the grass is greener where it's watered and it has nutrients. So what I want to say today, you know, we, we just have to nurture our important relationships. If we nurture them and we care for them, they'll treat us well and they'll, 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 be, they'll be healthy. You know, it's just... It's just so important because we let our important relationships, the things that are most important to us, go down the tubes, and then we blame things. Man, we, we have to take the initiative, you know, to, to keep, keep doing that things. I want to say this. The problem, too, is you can't go by your feelings. You have, the verse says a choice. If you choose to nurture your relationships, eventually the feelings will come. Because it'll, it'll start to grow and everything. First Peter 4, 4, 7, 8 says this, The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind, so that you may pray. Above all, 
love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. You know, I, I think that I'm, I'm concerned about the world today and because, you know, used to when I was growing up, you could love somebody and have a good relationship with somebody even if you didn't agree with them. We live in a crazy, I mean, politically charged environment. I have all kind of friends who, who agree differently than me. And we have good conversations, you know. Love covers a multitude of things. And, and, and we have to choose to love the people that are the most important to us. Even if we don't see eye to eye, love covers a multitude of mistakes. Let's put it that way. Multitude of sins. Let's just say mistakes. We make mistakes. That makes us, makes us feel better. The second thing is this. The second choice is we need to choose to restore broken relationships. Now, here's the thing. Here's what I want to tell you. Um, the pain of fixing a broken relationship is less than the pain of living with a broken relationship. And the reason we don't fix broken relationships is because of pride. Why did I wasn't, I didn't do anything wrong. You know, the Bible talks, Jesus expects us Christians to grow to spiritual maturity to where it's not about what's right and wrong. It's about fixing things. It's about doing the right thing. It's about lifting people up. And, and, and so we have to do this. Now, here's the thing. Sometimes we can't fix a broken relationship even if we try because they won't play ball. And the Bible addresses that too. In Romans 12, 17, 18, it says this, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, you and I live at peace with everyone. Sometimes it's not possible. But here's the deal. If somebody won't play ball, if you, if, even if you try, you can't fix a broken relationship, here's the thing. You can fix you. And you can say, I release all offense. I release all unforgiveness. Because here's the truth. If, if we have unforgiveness in our lives, we're never going to be successful. It is an albatross around your neck. You know, in the Lord's Prayer, in the, in, the, in the Bible, the disciples ask Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. And that's called the Lord's Prayer. And, and it has seven principles, but here's one of them. One is on forgiveness. Lord, forgive me my trespasses as I forgive those who trespass against me. So here's the thing about forgiveness. We always start with ourselves. Lord, forgive me. And then help me to forgive other people. Here's what we learn about forgiveness in the Bible is that we receive forgiveness at the same level we give forgiveness. There's, there's actually a verse that says, if you don't forgive others their trespasses, the Lord won't forgive you. You say, well, that sounds harsh. Well, he's forgiven us all of the stuff we've done, all of our rebellion, all, all the things we've turned against God. And sometimes we won't forgive just a little bitty something didn't look at us right, someone didn't invite us to something, or someone hurt our feelings. Come on, church, we, 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 we've, just, we've just got to grow up a little bit. My, my, my pastor who, who died several months ago, Brother Francis, he always said this, and he was called the, we called him the velvet brick because he would hit you with something, and you're driving down the road, and you're like, whoa, that hurt, you know? But it didn't hurt until you got down the road and thought about it. He said this. He said, if you are easily offended 
and hold unforgiveness, there's still too much of you alive. Uh, that, I mean, hey, you know, we just got to look in the mirror. But if we're always getting mad at people and if we're easily offended, it's because we're worried about ourselves too much. And the lordship as a Christian means we die to self. And so that means we can accept people, we can forgive people, we can give people the benefit of the doubt. That's the way church should be. That's the way Christians should be. We should set that example. Number three, all right, let me read Colossians 3.13. It says, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any, if any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. So, you know, I think sometimes we don't need to go to somebody and say, hey, you hurt my feelings, you know, and get them to forgive. We just forgive them. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm bigger than that. I'm not going to let some little thing that happened come between the relationship or friendship of someone in church or someone at work. I just forgive them. I release them. I let it go. They don't even know you got offended. That's a sign of maturity. So the third thing is this. We need to choose to sever harmful relationships. So we're going to nurture the important relationships. We're going to repair the broken relationships. And then we're going to sever or redefine any harmful relationships. And, you know, when I'm talking about severing relationships, I'm not talking about your husband or wife. So don't go home and say, Pastor Terry said, you out of here. No, I, <laughs> Pastor Terry didn't say that, okay? I didn't say that. Okay, I'm talking about... Do I really need to explain? You're all very intelligent people. Do I really need to explain to you what a, what a harmful relationship is? Let me put it this way. You don't need any more friends who are going to invite you to happy hour at a bar. Come on, that's not a good relationship. As far as I'm concerned, and I could be wrong, I don't think any good things typically happen in bars, right? Okay, three people just got up and left. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> But think about it. Uh, the relationships that you've allowed into your life, you hang around people who have no desire to pursue God. And so where are you going to be? You hang around with people who are very critical and judgmental. That's how you're going to become. Hang around people who love God. Hang around people who pursue God. Hang around people that are talking to you about what God is doing in their life. Those are the type of people that we need <clears throat> to be hanging around with. And, you know, I, I, I tell you, so many, so many bad things that happen, you know, in relationships. I'm thinking about husbands and wives with affairs and so much. They start because an inappropriate relationship just starts to casually, there's a little bit of flirtatiousness going on, and there's some complimenting going on. And because that is not severed or redefined, it ends up taking you where you didn't want to be. I want to challenge, and that's for ladies and men. I want to challenge you. Read the book of Proverbs. You know, the book of Proverbs says that it's, it's addressed to Solomon writing to, to, about a man, but it's to women too. It says, if you go after the wayward woman, the adulterous woman, she will take you to destruction and you will lose everything that was valuable to you. Do you know what? I talk, with, <clears throat> I talk to ladies and men, and unfortunately, so many times, I have never had one person who got involved in an affair in a relationship uh, you know, outside their marriage that told me that they were happy about it. They said they lost everything that they had. They lost the respect of their kids. 
They went through divorce court. I mean, it's just terrible. So I'm telling you, <clears throat> men and women alike, if you have any of those relationships, get rid of them. They're not worth it. They're going to destroy your life and cost you more than you, than you ever wanted to pay. It was funny. Uh, it, you know, and now that we have this presence online, you know, so many inappropriate relationships start online with people they've never even met or seen. I'm like, that's crazy. You know, you're starting a relationship and an affair type thing. You hadn't even seen what the person looks like. I mean, maybe that's just me. That's crazy. But, um, okay, no one laughed. Maybe it's not crazy. Okay, I'm just thinking out loud here. I, this is a true story. I read this story about a year ago. This husband and wife were cheating on each other at the, on the, at the same time online with a man and a woman. And they both decided, you know, you know, they didn't know what was going on. They, they both made arrangements to meet the person. And when they showed up, they, had, they, they met themselves. <laughs> they had been flirting with themselves, but they can't get along in the house. Come on. Someone needs therapy. Come on now. That ain't right. That's not good. And they were so mad at each other that they divorced. I mean, this is crazy. You can't make this stuff up. This is crazy. You know, and it goes on. Some of you in here today may be cohabitating. You're just living together because it's the easy thing to do. It's what the world does. I'm telling you, if bring that relationship under God and you will experience the freedom of God and God will bless uh, that, that relationship. I, I always like to remind myself, uh, you know, I, I think sometimes... We get in bad relationships, especially flirtatious ones, because we're only thinking about ourselves. And every, at least once a month, I stop and think, listen, if, if I do something like that, first of all, first of all, I'm going to embarrass God because he's called me to lead this church. Number two, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to devastate my kids and my wife, plus Tracy told me she would kill me. Um, <laughs> I think she was kidding, but I'm not sure, so I don't want to go there. And third, I mean, can't, all of you, all the several hundred people that come to family life, how embarrassing would that be for people to say, hey, did your pastor have an affair? Think about what you're, what you're doing. Think about it. Think about it and sever, listen, I, go home today and sever the relationships that aren't positive with your walk with the Lord. It doesn't mean you can't talk to somebody, but some, we shouldn't hang out in our free time with everyone. The people that are going to build us up, Proverbs 13, 20, it says this, he who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffer harm. 1 Corinthians 15, 33, don't, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Look at that word, I highlight the word misled. What happens when we have harmful relationships, we follow people and we are led down a path that we didn't really ever want to be on. Very, very important. Number four, initiate some meaningful relationships. Start some relationships that you don't have. You know, a lot, so many times people come to me and they tell me, Pastor, I need to find a mentor. I need to find, you know, I want, you know, they're telling me that they need more relationships and everything. And, but what I, what I learn is that most people that tell me that, they're just talking. 
because they have no more intentions of going out of their way to start relationships than they did than they did when they told me that. They're just talking. And so what I'll say is if you want to start, if you need to start some new meaningful relationships, you're gonna have to take initiative. It's funny, I have people all the time tell me, man, Pastor, you know, I just don't know anyone around here. I'm like, well, man, you, you've never gone into a small group. You haven't taken the growth track. You, you haven't come to the men's or ladies' Bible. So we have things going on all the time. You've never participated in one thing. So how do you think that you could possibly meet somebody if you don't put in the effort? Just a thought. Okay. Hebrews 10.25, it says, uh, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day, or the, 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 the day approaching, the day of the Lord's return. So let's, let me, I want to end with this. I want to talk about, let's get real practical, four relationships that you need to develop, four relationships. And um, first of all, you, you need to develop I need to develop my relationship with my church. Here, here, this is something interesting. You know, God, every Christian needs to have the phrase, my church. My church, not their church, not my church. When you say my church, it means that you have a place where you're committed to, and commitment changes the relationship. You get, do you get more out of... Uh, out of partial commitment or full commitment. Now, I'm going to say this. We have people all the time that are coming, and I don't know, you know, maybe they had a bad experience or whatever, and they just want to attend a while and, you know, kick the tires a little bit, make sure we don't throw snakes around, you know, and they want to, they want to make sure they're comfortable. And, hey, that is great, and we're all for that. Take your time. But here's the thing. If you, ne- if you stay there for too long, it will stunt your spiritual growth. If you read the New Testament, there are 30 commands that you can't do without having my church. 30 things. And so very, it's very, very important. So, you know, when, it, when, it, when it's my church, it means I belong. I have a, I have a place with a, a purpose within the church. I have a, a relationship. I have accountability. It means that I'm an owner and, and I, I am invested. Let me, let me tell you something. All of my deacons can tell you this. They can affirm this is true. But sometimes we let other people use our building. And you know what I've noticed? Every time I let someone else use our building, just trying to be a nice community, the building is always trashed. There could be 30 people. I'm like, how do you make such a mess, you know? Um, But I have to be nice because I'm the pastor and all that. We have a couple hundred people every Sunday, and people leave. There's hardly any trash anywhere. You know the difference? Because this is your church. You spill something, you clean it up. You see trash on the floor. Well, it's not my trash, but I pick it up. It's your church. It's like being at your house, your car. You take, you take care of it. That's, that, that is the difference. Now, here's the thing. At one time, Tracy and I, uh, we used to have an attending relationship right? We were, I was an attender. I would go pick her up at her house, and I would go drop her off after the date was over. But we had a wedding, and now we're members, right? Membership has its privileges, but it also has its responsibilities. Y'all are looking at me like I'm crazy. Is this thing working here? Look at me like, I don't know what he's talking about. And, and so every Christian, you need to have a place
And what, what I find today is so many Christians are missing it that, you know, they just come when they can and they don't want to commit. And listen, you get as much out of something as you put in. And, and when you invest, you, you, you reap a reward. You know, family life has, we have so much vision that we want to accomplish. And, you know, honestly, we need, we need members who say, we want to go on the journey with you. And again, another plug, if you want to do the grow track, that's how you get started. It's going to be in about 20 minutes here. Number two, develop my relationship with godly friends. So we develop, we should have a relationship with our church and not develop a relationship with, with godly friends. We should have a set of godly friends, godly friends that build us up, that challenge us to be more like Jesus. Um, you know, the New, the New Testament pattern, if you read the New Testament pattern in Acts, what you find is that they met in large facilities, the temple courts. They had, they had, they had services with hundreds and even thousands of people in the temple courts. But, and that's where the apostles were teaching them spiritual truth, doctrine, things like that. But then as you, as you read uh, the book of Acts, they also got together in small groups outside. There was big services and, and, and small groups. Let me, let me read that to you. Acts 2, verse 42 through 46, it says this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. To the breaking of bread and prayer, everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day, every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. You know, I know, um, actually, the next two weeks, the next, I'm going to take the next two weeks, and all I'm going to do is talk, be talking about relationships, small groups, and, and how family life, how we plan even to do better than we have in the past, on getting people in groups and connecting. Uh, we're going to have our fall small group uh, kickoff here when school gets started back. But here's the deal. It, it, it's evident that we can't do church like they did in the New Testament. Not exactly. These were small towns where everyone lived next door to each other. And so they were going to the temple courts every day and they were meeting together in homes every day. Well, listen, that just wouldn't work with, our, with the way our society is today. I mean, I could meet, have church service here every day, but I don't think you would come every day. Right? I mean, let's be honest. I'm just happy if you come once a week, right? I'm happy if you come on Sunday. But, and we couldn't get together every night in each other's homes. Can you imagine cleaning your house every day, having people come over? I don't think they care. They're, people are like, yeah, you're right, Pastor. You're right about that. But, but think about this. So I don't think it matters. I think this verse is we need to have large meetings where, where we come together, we worship together, we learn the word, but we also, some way about it, we got to get together outside of Sunday service. We, got, we have to build relationships. I don't care. I don't think the Lord cares if we meet at Chick-fil-A, if we meet at a coffee shop, if we meet here at the church, we meet at someone's home, we meet at a park. But here, here's the truth. Let me, this is what I've learned. Information will not change you, but relationships will. I mean, there, there's, I, I know people, uh, I had one pastor that says, we're educated above our obedience level, right? We, we got all this knowledge, but what we need sometime is a friend 
who says, hey, man, I haven't seen you in church in three weeks. What's going on? Hey, man, we talked about this. How are you doing? Relationships change things. And uh, so that's very good. So we're, we're going to work on that. And, uh, you know, I, I want to encourage you. Sometimes people don't go to a small group. Like, think about this. All the small groups we have, we just finished a financial peace university, whether it's talking about money or marriage or a, a book of the Bible. You know, that information is the hook to get you there, and it helps you. But the relationships are really, that, that's the kicker. That's, that's what really helps us. And so uh, it's very, very, very important. Uh, number three, we have to de- develop my relationship with the team. Develop my relationship with the team. And, you know, here at Family Life, we have about 300 members on our serve team. These are the people who are parking your cars. These are the people that are greeting you at the front door. They're serving your coffee. Uh, right now, we have some of them taking care of your children back there. Peter and Lisa, they have, they have a bunch of your kids at camp over here in Alvin. I mean, they're the, the worship team. They're all, all, all these people that serve once a month. And here, here's what I've learned is when you get on a serve team and start serving, see, every month when you come, you're with a group of people. And you're learning people's names and you're learning, you're learning, you're getting together and you're praying. So over time, even having a team of people, you learn people's names. And here, here's, here's what I want to say. You will never accomplish anything of great significance by yourself. None of us. I mean, think about it here. Some of you have been coming to Family Life for a long time. All the mission work we've done around the world, all the people who've been, you know, when someone gives their life to the Lord here, you know, basically what it, what it does is the person who parked their car and said hello to them out there has, they have part of that fruit. The people that welcome at the front door, the people that are taking care of their children back there. It, it, it's, a, it's a team effort. It's, it's a team effort. Ecclesiastes 4, 8, 9, it says this. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were were not content with his wealth. And it says two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. So, you know, what what it's saying, there's this one man, and he, he had wealth, but he didn't have any relationships. He didn't, he didn't have any, he was just by himself, and it, it, it was just a toil of life. But when you have a team, when you have two or more people working together, you know, you have a good return for your work. Number four is this. This is the last thing. Um, the band can come on up this morning. Hector, just come up in a minute. Just start playing something lightly. We're going to close out here. The, fifth, the fourth thing is this, is I have to develop my relationship with God. It all starts with God. And, you know, if you're not a Christian or if you have this, I, I, I don't know how to explain it to you that except this way. We were made with a part of us that was supposed to be filled by God. And if we don't have God at the center of our being, it doesn't matter who you're married to. It doesn't matter how much money you make. It doesn't matter where you live. Nothing can fill that void like God. And when God is there, it makes everything else just better. You know, if God's in your life, you can work at a job you don't particularly love and have a good attitude and be productive. You know, if God's in your life, even if your wife's having a bad day, you can still treat her with love and respect and honor. 
there's something about having God there at the center. And Jeremiah 29, 13, it says this. It says, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. Can we say that together? If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. And this whole series we've been talking about habits, and I said at the very beginning, you know, I, I think some of the reasons we're not being able to change our habits, some of the reason, you know, people say, man, I just can't find God. Well, the Bible doesn't lie. It says when you search for me wholeheartedly, that means there is an earnest desire. An earnest desire that means this, I don't care what I have to do. I'm not stopping till I get an answer from God. I'm not stopping, you know. I have an earnest desire, you know, for God to break this addiction in my life. I have an earnest desire for God just to do something in me that I, that I need done, you know, so bad. Would you stand with me this morning? Would you just stand and, and just, just close your eyes? And we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to begin speaking to your hearts like I'm sure he probably already has. You know, I want to close today with just with a, with a prayer. And here's my question. What are the habits that you know you need to change? What are the things that are holding you back from God's best for your life? And would you be willing to come to God and just let those go today? We can't change a habit without God's help. We can't do it on our own. And I think the Lord is here today. The, the Holy Spirit's here just to help us. So I, I'm just going to ask you this morning. Today is the conclusion of the series. If you're in this series, God has showed you something that you know you can do better, some habits that you know need to be changed and replaced. I'm just going to ask you to come out, come out from your chair and just come up here this morning. And we're just going to close this series by asking God to give us the strength to break the bad habits and to replace them with some good habits.
Father God, we just come before you today. And God, I just, Lord, you appreciate the hunger and the desire of your people, Lord. And I just, I, I just pray for everyone who had the desire to come up here this morning and just saying, God, we don't want to stay where we are. We want to go to higher levels. We want you to change patterns and routines in our lives. We want to break.